five elements of letting go the podcast discussing mental health openly and freely and learning tools and techniques to find peace All right, welcome to the Five Elements of Letting Go podcast. I'm Jared McCollum. I have with me today Mackenzie Dawson Agnew, and I'm just going to introduce her quickly here before we get going. I've known Mackenzie since you were eight, eight years old. Okay, yeah. and I treated her in this very room <laughs> when she was a little one. Yep. Uh, so I've known her for a while, and. Uh, Mackenzie now, she's, you know, she's done so much since I last remember you as a little eight-year-old. Um, she's got her degree, a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology. She re- a recent graduate of studying acupuncture and Chinese medicine. She is a personal trainer and a transformational specialist. Um, she's got lots of training in, in her background and uh, works uh, helping people just finding that that peace and balance they want in their life, just not only physically, but also uh, with their health and uh, their mental health. And that's why I wanted to invite her along today to talk about things. She has a very interesting story. I won't get too much into it because she can share what she chooses to. But it, um, uh, you know, we all have our ups and downs in life. And I've always been very impressed with how well Mackenzie handles things. And I thought we'd have a talk about it. So everyone... Mackenzie. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Mackenzie, to start with, I just like to ask everyone where where they feel, you know, and their opinion like on mental health. It's something that um, not a lot of people like to talk about or are, you know, have some fear around. Um, How is it for you? Mm, I love mental health. I think that it's almost like a receipt of how your internal body's working. Um, You know, like if your mental health's off, then like definitely things inside of you are not quite cooperating, like some imbalances or chemical kind of disruptions. Um, So I like even just daily kind of taking my mental health and using that as like a check-in point to where I'm doing like in my insides, like how my diet is, like have I been meditating, who have I been hanging around, kind of just like a little checkpoint of what's going on in my internal world. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, my my understanding of, you know, how your mind works is you are incredibly, um, you know, detail-oriented, you know, goals and checklists and you're a little bit of a perfectionist. Am I correct on that? I'm a recovering perfectionist. Hey, I love that. <laughs> that's that's a great way to say it. Okay. Tell me about that. Um, for me, I think I've had OCD tendencies my whole life. I mean, when I was little, I was washing my hands a lot and kind of being scared of germs, which clearly I'm over now that I'm around people in a clinic, so yeah. I don't do that. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of where it was. And then I was counting sidewalk blocks and just kind of having those. My brain was fixated on something and it had to just be like counting and things like that. And then when I was in school, it became like a superpower. Mm-hmm. I could really use um, that pattern or kind of thought processing to to my advantage mm-hmm. um so i fixed it on school and memorizing and um you know repeating things and it got me to where i was when i kind of i used that skill and kind of saw it in a different way um before it kind of held me back you know i would be running late because i had to wash my hands seven times and i had to check this that still was off 11 times and i it just 
it really took over my life. But then with school, um, um, I just, I, did, I definitely like put it towards something else and use it to get somewhere in life. Okay. Yeah. So you're able to transfer it to something that kind of got in the way or was mm-hmm. a bit of a, a perceived weakness and you transformed it into a bit of a strength. Yeah. But I think that's everything. You know, you have something and you can either choose to view it in that negative way or kind of work with it, not against it. Mm-hmm. And so was it always a strength in school? No. no? She's shaking her head <laughs> for those that are listening. Oh, yeah, it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there we are recording as well. But uh-huh. um, No, it, um, I get very fixated on numbers. And so like my grades or even like my body weight or numbers that I'm lifting in the gym, that kind of was what my worth was based off of. Um, so yeah, it definitely wasn't always a superpower, um, but it did have its benefits. Hmm, interesting. And so one other thing I, and again, I, I know a little bit about this from what I've, you know, heard around things, but, um, if you can share with everyone, uh, when, when did, cause you've had issues with celiac and, and all of this and, you know, some serious health scares for a while. When did all of that start? That started when I was actually like a baby. Um, I had a seizure after after a vaccination. And then since then, everything was just kind of a little bit off. Um, so I had kind of allergies and things like that. But when I was 17, that's when everything was kind of at its heightened, including my OCD, like the mental health, um, my physical health, everything at like 17 was probably at its worst. What do you think triggered it? Um, for me, I think that with like mental health, there's a lot of internal things that go on as well, like definitely situational. And, you know, my parents got divorced and I don't talk to my biological dad. Like there's definitely like the situational things we go through that kind of determines that. But then there's also your internal health where because I wasn't absorbing my food because I am celiac, I didn't have, I was malnourished basically. Mm -hmm. And I was lacking in key vitamins and your brain needs certain minerals and vitamins to work properly um so i think with mental health definitely there's like the chemical imbalance hormone imbalance as well that can uh, impact that as well really interesting Mm -hmm. so you um now i've seen some pictures from around that age Mm -hmm. and so what did what kind of symptoms did it lead to um there was kind of two things going on at the same time i had i think a I don't really know what I classified as, but a body image disorder. So I weigh, I currently weigh like 135, but I was at like 89 pounds. And that's after I started gaining weight. Um, and part of that was being due, due to being celiac and malnourished. But then um, since my brain wasn't getting nutrients, um, I was then getting, my OCD was really bad. I was fixating on things. And one was the weight on the scale. And so to me, I was having to be, oh, nope, skinnier, skinnier. And you get obsessed with that. Um, and that's, all I would think about was pretty much that. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what kind of supports were you able to get at that time? Um, a lot. Like my mom is super awesome. Um, I was seeing a counselor. Your mom is super awesome. My mom is super yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> She's Brownie points with mom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah, my mom was awesome. But also it's hard because seeing your child go through that kind of stuff, it wouldn't be the easiest. I think she was struggling with it on her own. Um, and she's very much so an emotional problem solver. So having her involved was kind of not, I didn't always listen to her because I thought she should just be my mom. Mm-hmm. So I had a really good counselor at the time when I was in university, which helped with how retraining your brain, how to think 
basically. So retraining these neurological pathways um, to go in different directions, to fixate on other things and to be more balanced because part of it is like a neurological like wiring of your brain. Mm -hmm. So she was good on kind of like the scientific and even like situational things, you know, working out, stemming where that body image information came from. And then I also saw a natural path, which was doing like DNA testing um, and testing different levels of nutrients in my body, which I was definitely lacking in. So then I got um, different like IV therapies and different supplementation that would bypass my whole digestion system. Um, that way I was able to actually fully absorb my nutrients. And so kind of my mom, um, this counselor, and then the naturopath with actually feeding my physical body nutrients all kind of came together. And it took about probably three years. Um, wow. And then I was finally able to be feeling a bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was it like? Like, could you feel the difference between you know when that shift finally happened when you finally felt like balanced and nourished like yeah. did what did it feel like did you feel like you were in a uh, in a fog for th- for all those years or yeah like i almost feel like it was um someone else's story that i always tell because it doesn't even, like the mindset i was in i know i was in it but to look back at it i'm like heck like it's not even it's almost like a whole different person yeah um and it's almost like my whole personality and i wasn't even in my body so at the time um and these are my actual thoughts i wouldn't stop running until my shoes had blood on them and that from your feet from my feet from running like i wouldn't go for 14 kilometers i would go until my feet would bleed and that at the time like to say it now seems crazy but in the time that was my reality yeah you know and so that was one thing or like Another thing, maybe I'd be puking. That would be my next thing. Okay, I work out until I puke. And if I don't puke, it's been four hours and I haven't puked yet, I'm going to continue to go. Wow. And, like, so those were, again, to say it now, it seems crazy. But in the meantime, when you are in that state or not in your body, that those are truth, true thoughts. Mm. I think, too, like, I've worked with a number of patients that um, – either pull their hair out or cut or things like this. Mm -hmm. And I do think when we are in that imbalanced state, you know, mentally, we, because we're either we're having a hard time dealing with our current emotions and, you know, the, the, the trauma in our mind or because we can't feel that, or we're afraid to feel those emotions. We'll use anything to distract us. Like we'll, we want to feel something, but we don't want to feel that. Mm-hmm. So when, like in talking with patients that have had that, what I find is when those thoughts and feelings come up, they'll, they want to distract themselves. Yeah. And it's the same for uh, people who use drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol. It's just another way to, to numb those feelings or distract you from feeling something. Yeah. And I don't know if that was the case for you, but there's this idea of, you know, okay, I, um, you know, I'm going to go until I can get that f- something that distracts me from what I'm going through, the pain I'm feeling. Yeah. And it's almost like kind of like torturing yourself in a way, but like it feels good because like you are, yeah, you're getting towards something, right? And it is like that numbing. Like I wasn't yeah. taking drugs, but I was over-exercising to that point. Yeah. Um, and with that counselor, oh, sorry. She's playing footsies with me. <laughs> <laughs> um with that counselor, um, she was really good for like the situational, like the trauma I'd been through in my life. So mm-hmm. what we figured out was that um, my biological def- dad left when I was super young and I thought I had kind of dealt with it in 
away, but then trauma kind of comes up in different ways in your life and it manifests in different patterns. So even though I didn't think that my body image and my dad leaving were the same kind of root cause with her help, I learned that if I couldn't be, if I felt like I couldn't be loved by a like paternal parent, then how could a random stranger, how could a boy like me? So then I thought that, okay, if I looked a certain way, then they'll love me. And so like, you're not thinking that as you're making these decisions, but that's like the underlying like root cause of it. And as soon Mm -hmm. as I worked through that, the body image thing, um, it really changed. And now I know that my worth is determined by, you know, smiling at a stranger, um, holding a door open for someone, you know, like the books I read and what I learn and um, like how I treat people, like that's how I view my worth. Um, And at the end of the day, I have like a little checklist in my head. I'm like, Yep, I have the door open for somebody. Um, you know, you just kind of put good into the world, and that's what my worth is determined from um, versus all those numbers. Yeah. I think, too, it's interesting with when you say it was like I was a different person at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember it. But we, I think people think we're static beings. We're born this person and we'll always be this person, but we're not. We change all the time, we continue to evolve and. You know, our experiences and our choices continually change us. And that's that's good. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think our, our trauma is very similar in that, you know, it changes and adapts depending on the situation we're in. Whereas a young child, you there's not really that connection or understanding. So you experience it, but you, it, you get over it. You know, you kind of let it go. And, but then new experiences in your life, you know, through you know, being a, a young adult and a youth, you know, you're concerned about what men think of me, you know, what the boys are going to think. And that m- brings back that trauma in a different way. And now you've reinterpreted this. Oh, oh, well, how, will this affect me on this way? And you start thinking. And I think everyone think, you know, that's my concern with, with uh, people, how they deal with mental health is I think, oh, you, you've done that. You've, you, you're over it. You know, we're, we're never really over our, our stuff mm. it's always gonna be there but we always have to stay on top of it and find new ways to reinterpret it and let it go and, and adjust with it mm-hmm. yeah very interesting so you uh with all the weight you lost they were able to find out eventually that it was celiac disease yep okay so i'm celiac as well as i don't methylate so my body doesn't detox things properly so i hold on to all the chemicals around um and then it creates like numbness and tingling and things like that wow i i you know um i remember the first time you showed me what happened to your skin when even gluten rubs up against your skin Mm -hmm. like you get big boils boils and and blisters and it looks like i was like burnt in a fire like these huge fluid filled like vesicles that's just wild to me you know because it's that is something that is everywhere so you must constantly be on guard yeah you feel kind of paranoid and again like and then in certain times of my life my ocd kicks on regarding my gluten touching Mm -hmm. right so i find when i'm out of balance and yeah i do latch onto those other little thoughts like that yeah Mm -hmm. wow so you, uh, you know, you're doing your teens, you're getting support, you're working through uh, the OCD and get this figured out. And then you decide to go into kinesiology. <laughs> yes. Now, was, what was what drew you into that? Um, I've always liked the body. So starting like after high school, I know like you, you think you have to go to traditional schooling. And that's just kind of how my thought was, which I'm glad I did. But um, so I started, uh, I started actually in biology, because I just loved science. And then um, as my health was kind of crumbling, it was like, 
the universe just like forcing me down a certain path. So I really had to on my own be like, okay, how does how does my how do my guts work? Like how do they actually work? If I want to heal them, how do they work? So on my own time, I was figuring that out. And I'm like, well, I'm paying for school. Why don't I just take courses that I would just get, I you know, learn in school mm-hmm. anyway. So then I think my own struggle with my own guts and my health kind of led me down the path of kinesiology, which then kind of as my autoimmune can like continued, it led me down the path of like natural medicine and Chinese medicine. Um, so I always say that my curses were my biggest blessings mm. uh, like i was blessed with the curse like all these things that i went through um led me to where i am now um and i think that's another reason why i can look at my autoimmune thing and i don't hate it um i'm grateful that it allows me to be compassionate you know people come in and they don't feel good or they have rashes or body pain things you even things you can't actually see on somebody and i know what that feels like so i can i know what kind of effort and what kind of care they need mm-hmm. um so i wouldn't change it yeah it's a- it's interesting because I think everyone wants to know why. Why is this happening to me? Why is my body doing this? You can't always get the answers. Yeah. And so when you didn't have the answers, how did you deal with that? What was what were your self care? What were your what were your tools that you used? You know, from like seventeen right through university to you know handle these unknowns. Um, I think the biggest thing is to educate yourself um, and advocate for yourself. You know, like in all types of medicine or doctors or people kind of giving you advice and helping, like you have to understand how your own body works um, and just that empowerment coming from knowing from yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was a big thing. Um, And then just having a support system like my mom and then having an outlet. Like eventually the gym became a place where when it became more balanced, I could use the gym in a balanced way. And now I definitely do. It's an outlet, but I feel like you need... Um, a release of some sort, um, whether that be even laughing or whatever it may be, but just having that kind of like outward release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course we need to, we need to release that emotion that mm-hmm. builds up. But it's uh, uh, there's two books in particular that always kind of remind me of this. One is uh, Dare by uh, Barry McDonough, and it's all about his four steps in dealing with anxiety. But there's another one that is um, is it. Oh, I can't remember the authors in the, in the book's title right now. But they go through the, both of them talk about um, the importance of, you know, cardiovascular and physical exercise, just getting the heart going and how it not only treats anxiety, but helps to prevent anxiety. Mm-hmm. And there's, they say even like 20 minutes a day, um, you know, especially, you know, starting your day off is a tool to kind of settle the mind and settle the chi and you know mm-hmm. get you in a position to kind of face that day. Um, in one of the books, the author talks about particularly uh, one patient who whenever her anxiety comes on, she pulls out a jump rope mm-hmm. and jumps a rope until the feelings go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she carries it with her all. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. she's jumping rope. like. And I agree. I think even in Chinese medicine, so we know like on an energetic standpoint how that's moving the chi and kind of allowing things to flow. But then on a more scientific level, those are releasing certain like hormones and receptors in your brain that are kind of lacking maybe in your diet, in your system. That's why kind of getting proper supplementation and things like that, that's why that helps with that aspect of it because not all mental illness is just situational. Some of it is an underlying um, like deficiency. So I think Mm -hmm. kind of having a little bit of both really do help. Yeah, yeah. And again... You know, something I, I remind patients a lot is that when we're treating, you know, uh, 
any condition, but particularly mental health. You know, we need to treat what I consider like the hardware and the software. And the hardware is that, um, you know, like particularly like in our clinic, we use the AccuGraph. So we, we diagnose the energetic levels. We can see on the computer where the imbalances are. But when things are really imbalanced and really high, and, and even without the AccuGraph, I'm sure everyone listening or, you know, watching knows of times where they feel like revving really high mm-hmm. and their mind just won't stop and everything's going. In that position, it is so hard to tell someone to just think positively or, <laughs> you know, stop doing that. You, you can't, can you? Mm-hmm. When you're in that state of imbalance and, you know, it almost sounds like, you know, you were on and off in that place for three to five years or mm-hmm. more. And, you know, to, to just tell someone, well, just do this. It's, it's unkind mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's inconsiderate. We have to settle things, get that balance in a position where the body can start to heal. And then that's when you rewrite the software. And that's the software is like you were talking about the way you're thinking and the way you approach it and, you know, uh, getting good habits to how you think and, and respond to people rather than, um, you know, because you can't rewrite it no. when things are that imbalanced. Yeah. yeah. And I think a big thing to remember and remind people is that um, it's not you. It's just an imbalance in your system. Yeah. Right? Like, you aren't anxiety. Like, you just are going through it or experiencing these feelings that manifest as anxiety or depression. It's just, it's not you and you're not, it's not your destiny. You're not, okay, you have depression. Okay, you have it for your entire life. You know, it comes and goes and changes and it even can change how it even looks. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one time you don't want to hang out with friends and the next time you are harming yourself, right? Like it just it comes in different ways and you, it's not, it's not a life sentence. Mm-hmm. I think too, it's the, uh, um, you know, the, you know, as it shifts and changes over time, it's just continually finding that new approach to, okay, what's going to work for me today? What is it? Mm. You know, the underlying balance of like, especially when you think of anxiety, like Barry McDonough always talks about, you know, helping people understand what, that anxiety is about because our mind can create, you know, whether we are dreaming, daydreaming or experiencing something, the brain doesn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. And so the body always responds in the same way. So if you think of something really anxiety driven that's coming up and you got to deal with, whether you're experiencing it or you're, um, you know, just thinking of it in your mind, your body will respond with the fight or flight response. So now you've kicked up, um, you know, all this anxiety and stress and your body now is ready to fight or flight. So it's pumping you full of adrenaline. And of course, the symptoms to clear that adrenaline out, because you're not running, you're not fighting anyone. You get racing heart rate, you start to sweat, you start to shake, you know, all these symptoms where people start to panic and they think I'm having a heart attack or I'm Mm -hmm. having a stroke or I don't know what this is. And this is just your body's way of releasing that anxiety. And it usually only takes 20 to 25 minutes. But if you fight it or you try to prevent it, you're creating a true adrenaline response. And now the body's flooded again. And it's got to keep these symptoms until it's done, mm-hmm. until the adrenaline's run out. And that's why I find, you know, some patients, they'll have an anxiety attack that'll last hours. Yeah. Because they just they won't trust their body and just let go and let it happen. Whereas if you can distract your mind and just, you know, trust that these symptoms are normal and okay and just work it through, it'll be cleared up in 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. But, 
we're not taught that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's that's not hearsay. That's science. That's biology. Yeah. It's how it works. I think because I've been using the Acuraf with you for like two years in November, and I find that almost like one in one in two patients have like a really high overall like graph, right? Like they're like one thirty and above. Yeah. And that shows to me that they're stuck in like a sympathetic nervous system state where they're like like that adrenaline kind of like high revving, and they don't understand that. When they're in that state, they can't ever come down and properly heal. So, like, their gut is never being – it's never healing or being used properly. Their hormones aren't even a thing because you're just maintaining this high, this go, go, go. Um, they're never able to recover from injuries or sickness, things like that, because they're just maintaining that high, um, which then it has to go somewhere, and it comes out as anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's a byproduct of um, this hormonal response. And um, if you look at any, like, animal after they've – you know, chase a, a prey like for, or chase the prey or chase run away from the predator, things like that. They always like shake. Mm-hmm. Um, so they release that like excess yeah. um, cortisol and excess stress hormones. But we as humans, we don't. We just clude and hold on and stay tight. And we don't learn to, you have to have an outlet, whether it be the gym, whether it be acupuncture, it has to come out somehow. Mm-hmm. And you regularly use the gym. Yeah, definitely. As that tool. Yeah. 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 I should do that more. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, uh, so what, what kind of release do you get from your workouts? How do, how do you describe the difference like from before and after? I find, um, for me working out, it's more like meditative. I mean, I like to do it first thing in the morning before I've talked to anyone, I go there and like, you're focusing on your breath and in order to, for me, like, yeah, it's for like the way you look and whatever, but it's also like the way you feel and like the way you're lifting. But, um, to lift a certain way, you have to focus on your breath, right? So it brings you back to like the breath. So breathing mm-hmm. in, breathing out, pushing, um, and then pushing past like mental limits, right? So for me, it's a very like meditative, um, I would say spiritual kind of experience for me. And then some days it's, you know, having a protein shake and talking to people and having fun, like it's a social thing too. But for mm-hmm. me, it's more of a meditative, um, a meditative state that you get into. Yeah. It's like your church. It is like my church, yeah. Every yeah. and every morning I need it, and even on my rest days, which I do rest, and I I need the rest. It's very I have to then do something else, go for a walk or um, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you need to connect with your breath. And for me, it's like an hour and a half every day that I'm. It's just my breath. So, how many like what percentage of patients that you see, you know, you've experienced? Would you say? are stuck in that fight or flight response and that like high cortisol state. I think every other person, (laughs) right? Even if it's like an injury, like, oh, I keep getting injured. I'm like, cause you're stuck in this state and your body's never focusing on that. It's just maintaining this high. Or like, I have gut issues. I'm like, okay, like when you're in that sympathetic state, your blood goes to your limbs. You can run away from like the tiger chasing you. It never Mm -hmm. goes to your internal organs. So again, bringing you down to that state, then your body can heal itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So even though some people come in with pain or guts or hormones, they all stem back to maintaining that sympathetic state, um, which is part of our culture, right? The glorifying being burnt out. Um, yeah, burning out, constantly being busy. Yeah, having constantly jobs. Yeah, the grind. Like, yeah. I, like I used to use that word, like, oh, yeah, I'm just on the grind. And now I, like, I'm, like, embarrassed or, like, ashamed that I, like, did that to my body. Um, now I'm, like, oh, I'm actually going to, like, go for a nap. And, like, even on my Instagram, I try to, I try to post, like, the opposite side of things where like, no, I'm hanging out like, oh, I'm actually having like pizza tonight. Like, you know, like showing that, that downtime mm-hmm. um, and glorifying napping and resting yeah. and taking time off. Yeah. And that's huge. Like you do a really good job of that. Anyone who's on Instagram, it's at Kenzie fitness. Yeah. Okay. And how many followers do you have? <laughs> like 
14.4 thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was going to do it right down on the last number. I just checked before I gave it up. Just joking. So, but one thing I want to say is like, I'm, I'm not a huge uh, social media guy just because I'm lazy. Boring. And I'm terribly boring. <laughs> but uh, every once in a while, I'll throw stuff up like we're going on a trip or whatever. And that's just for my friends to know where we're at and what's happening. But... Uh, one thing cool, anyone who's looking for someone interesting to follow with, with Mackenzie, you know, you, um, you know, you'll post your workout you're doing or you post, this is what I'm making. This is my diet. Sometimes like I know recently after you go see your, um, therapist, you'll have like a decompression session with all your followers Yeah, and you'll talk about, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I learned today, mm-hmm. which I, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted you to come in because I think how many people are willing to do that and to trust that, you know, one, that you feel this is so normal and so regular, that this shouldn't be anything anyone should worry about. Um, do you, What kind of feedback do you get from people when you share those sessions? It's ex- at first, it was super nerve wracking. Like, oh, should I share that? Like, I don't know what people are going to think. But then after I started a little bit kind of like testing the waters, people want like the truth. And, you know, I talk about... Um, like birth control methods that I use, like that I personally use, not what science says you should use, you know, like uh-huh. um, my period, like my bowel movements. I talk about those things that like we all deal with every single day and you don't know who to talk to those. Do you know how to talk to about for those things? Right. So people mm-hmm. respond um, in like a very open and uh, very relatable way. Um, and to me, it's even therapy for me, like to me to talk about my autoimmune, talk about my body image, like to give back and to help people in those ways, like it actually helps myself heal. Um, and again, that's going with like talking about like we did at the beginning with the ongoing healing, right? Like I didn't just go see a counselor and like it was just done and I'm like over it now. Like I continuously have different thoughts and kind of go through it. But um, when I can reach out and help other girls with body image or some boys with body image issues like that to me actually feeds my own healing as well by mm-hmm. talking about it into um you know, like explaining, like talking about how, what the thoughts are going through their head. Like that actually helps myself as well. Yeah. And I think too, the more we talk about, you know, mental health and our issues and see that other people are experiencing the same thing. And the more we normalize depression and anxiety, you know, I, I think for a while there, like maybe 20 years ago, it was, well, you don't talk about it and you don't, you know, share that because, you know, uh, it's a choice. This is like a bad habit people have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's their poor behavior, bad behavior. So don't spend time with people around that or talk about it because it just, you know, it, it says that that's okay behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty fucked up. I think and so. that's how it was. Yeah, and I think um, even poop. Yeah. People can't talk about poop. And I'm like, we all poop. Like, why do we never yeah. talk about poop? Yeah. <laughs> and same thing, mental health, like illness. Like, we, yeah. we all go through things and, like, why don't we talk about that? Either? Yeah, it's all a shit show. Why can't we talk? Yeah, about right. It? <laughs> <laughs> right, but we all go every day. We all poop every day. Yeah. We all have anxiety or stress or these things. Like it's a very normal thing. So um, even in my own personal life with my friends, I kind of instead of asking, "Oh, how's your day?" or "How's this?" Mm-hmm. I ask them very specific questions to open up those you know pathways of communication about their mental health. Right, yeah. and like oh, how are you feeling regarding this? Even though I know that it might trigger them, but to talk about it instead of them just holding it within themselves, mm-hmm. um, it does make a difference. And just having those conversations. Yeah, because we don't always have access to a psychiatrist or no. a doctor. Or, yeah. And even when we do, it's limited. Yep. And I think, you know, the more people understand you and your things, 
then the more they can support and help you and understand you. Um, I know, like, say, from my own experience, um, you know, I grew up in a very Mormon home where you didn't talk about emotions. And, like, I had a terrible temper as a kid. And um, my my dad would always say, you know, uh, people don't get mad, only dogs do. So I don't know if he's saying that, you know, don't be mad or angry is different. I never figured that out. But all I know is whenever I express those feelings... You just don't do that. Mm-hmm. You're not an animal. Smarten up. Mm-hmm. You know, grow up. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I've had these discussions with my son in our other podcast about, you know, telling kids to grow up and what to do. There's a great episode on that. Really, Dad, it's called. So anyway, but from my own experience of kind of dealing with that, I had no one to talk to mm-hmm. about my temper and what I was going through because it was just something that I was just supposed to stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know... You couldn't rely on my faith because no one in there wanted to talk about it or understood or had any qualifications for it. Uh, you know, neither did my parents. They didn't understand a thing about it because that's how they were raised and they were just doing what they were taught. Mm-hmm. So I think as we discuss things more and put it out there more, we're basically, you know, putting out that hand to that person that's never had anyone talk about it. And here's someone talking about it and it's okay and it's all right. Oh, maybe I can. Mm-hmm. share with someone or you know, yeah an example would be actually i had a patient today and i think i've seen him three times now first time i saw him asked about his poop went red in the face got all anxious couldn't talk about it and i'm like okay like okay second time like give me a bit of details today he came in first thing he talked about was his poop and that's just <laughs> an example of like even mental health mm-hmm. you know you bring it up one time people are like oh like kind of like kind of maybe uncomfortable whatever comes up from them and you maybe say something again, they're like, oh, plant the seed in their head. And then the next time they, it's, it becomes a more normal conversation where that patient knows that like we can talk about poop and mm-hmm. that's a normal conversation we have. So yeah. same thing. It doesn't take much. It just takes opening up a couple times to create that mm-hmm. space. Yeah. Normalize it, make it yeah. safe and, and free to talk about that. I think, uh, you know, particularly like, you know, of course my experience over the years with patients is you'll get those in that, you get the vibe right away. Okay, I can talk to this person about their emotions. Mm-hmm. And then you get the vibe from the others where, like, they don't want to talk about anything. They mm-hmm. just want to get better. Yep. But there's with some patients which are like, I'm sorry, but for you to get better, we have to talk about this. Yep. And you've got um, some you know, serious issues with some trauma or something you need to forgive or um, – you know, give yourself permission to feel that way mm-hmm. where they were never given that permission before or understood it. And it just kind of eats you up inside. Well, and it manifests as disease, right? And there's, I'm very scientific in the way that I think. And so I know that when you have these thoughts and emotion, it releases different chemicals and different receptors. And if they continuously happen, it actually does create disease in your body. And that's scientifically proven that different cancers and different things are caused by stuck or repressed um, emotions and trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, I of course, I'm, I'm sure you know some of this stuff. I'm not an expert on it. I don't know a whole lot about it. But, you know, just with the, our gut biome, mm-hmm. if the wrong bacteria flourish, and different bacteria grow based off of what they're being fed. And so for us, the bacteria that causes, you know, that has a big effect on us causing depression and anxiety feeds off of sugar. Yes. And, you know, high glycemic carbs. Mm-hmm. So when we you know, have too much of that in our diet, 
those bacteria then proliferate and build up, and then it starts to affect our mind. It just blows me away. Yeah, and people think it. that most of their hormones are produced in their brain, but like serotonin and dopamine are like 80 to 90% produced in your gut. So if your gut's not happy and you're, you know, like you're eating high inf- inflammatory foods or um, like you said, like sugars and like different, different types of carbs and that kind of stuff, it manifests then as you're lacking them. So depressions, anxieties. Um, so your gut and your brain are very, very linked. And that goes back to embryology of how you were developed, right? You're just, you're a tube. You're just... Mm-hmm butthole right like that's all you were and like that's how your brain and your butt were just connected Mm -hmm. right and it goes back to that yeah so you know to me to just think wow when you're dealing with your mental health you know yes you have the you know we got to get that balance you know Mm -hmm. energetically we have to get you in a position you can talk about it and rewrite that software you have to fix your gut Mm -hmm. you know and get that balance in there get the right foods so the proper bacteria build up so You can get those happy hormones mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff going again. And, I, you know, we don't, uh, you know, we didn't even know this stuff 20 years ago, no. you know. And so now so much more is opening up about what's really going on. Now, you know, we think it's just the brain, but it's far more no, than the brain. definitely not. Yeah. yeah. And I think it might be overwhelming for people. They're like, you know, they have to just like a list of things they have to do to then to feel better. But. I think it's exciting. It's just life, right? Like mm-hmm. life, you're up and down, up and down. You just are continuously moving and growing and going like going through trauma and recovering and up and down. And you're not just, okay, you're sick and you're healthy. It's not just not that extreme. Um, you spend your whole life struggling and going up. And I, I bet you haven't even touched on the things that I'm going to go through. Um, but I don't, I don't just then recover and I'm fine and then go down again. It's just That's just life. And I think mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that we can um, go through those things and feel all the different types of emotions. Yeah. So what are your, like, you know, like currently, you know, you see a, um, a counselor, you're, you're working out. Is there any other tools that you use for yourself to you know, moderate or work with your mental health? Mm, definitely my diet. Uh, my diet is huge. If I'm not eating correctly, you know, I've had I like protein bars. I've had too much like processed food, things like that. I definitely, my, my gut goes a bit off. And then I notice that like, oh, I feel kind of anxious today. And I'm like, hey, what have I been eat, eating lately? Mm-hmm. So my main thing um, is my diet, I think. Like, yeah, I see a psychologist. Um, I'm not really talking to her about too much right now. I just kind of like the perspective change sometimes. Um, but I would say that and definitely my gut and then the gym. Those are my three kind of like main core things to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, forms of meditation as well, which is part of the gym, but then also just kind of like being with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I find... Um, you know, finding that balance of not numbing yourself, but kind of like having fun, going out with friends, but then also sitting in your own crap, right? Like spending time sitting in those maybe feelings don't feel so good. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to kill you. They just don't feel yeah. good, but they have to be felt in order yeah. to kind of process them. So, and that's what I do in my meditation. I don't just, I don't just not think of anything. I just sit and like, oh, I feel kind of whatever today. And I'm like, okay, like, let's just, what does it feel like to feel like that? And you just kind of mm-hmm. sit with it for a bit. And then I don't dwell on that whole feeling the whole day. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go uh, call up my grandma and talk to her. You know, like it's so finding that balance of being in it and kind of like working through it and feeling it, but then also moving forward and kind of mm-hmm. um, releasing that. That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. if you can recognize that, you know, you know, th- these feelings are here, Yeah, they're real, they're okay. They're normal to feel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to allow them to kind of be there with me. And then I'm going to, you know, switch on. And I, you know, one thing I always try to remind patients is emotions aren't bad. No. They're just signals, right? And it's, 
whether or not we choose or whether or not we're imbalanced enough that we get stuck in that emotion. And it's that it's that that imbalance that leads to that being trapped in emotion that really causes a lot of problems. And especially if your physical symptoms are related to the organs involved with that. Yeah, you know? which could be a whole nother episode regarding yeah. that. Yeah, so like with even, your spleen and stomach and yeah. the worry and obsession and control. Yeah, my large linked. intestine and not being able to let go of certain things, right? And like the like letting go of control, I mean, mm-hmm. right? Like with the OCD and the perfectionism, then yeah. I had large intestine issues my whole life. But then it goes even deeper to I have a abandonment type feelings. And then that goes back to my long and large intestine as well. Yeah. And metal people usually have issues with their daddy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the You know, earth, it's, it's their mom mm-hmm. and metal, it's their dad. Yeah. And yeah, that abandonment, the guilt, uh, all of that. What did I do? Is it me? What did I do? Which is all bullshit, but yep. it's what happens when we go there in our mind. Yep. Oh, that's really interesting. So um, what uh, what advice, you know, you've talked about a lot of things, you know, here. Um, but let's say someone is in the throes of like that place where you when you're like 17, 18, mm-hmm. you know, what are for, so for some, you know, first steps and advice that you would give someone in that position? Always tell them that it's not them. You know, like, because I thought, like, this is just me. Like, this is how I think. Like, and if someone almost to, like, think of it as, like, a monster or a diff- whole different character inside of you being, like, it's not you. You just have this, like, being that's kind of, like, with you right now. And that's not who you are. You aren't these things. So mm-hmm. have someone to just sit and tell you that, like, no, like, this is not who you are. Um, it's just something that you're going through and these different imbalances that are happening. Um, that'd be the first thing. And then the second thing would be to check out the actual physiological, like imbalances in your body or how are your hormones doing? How, um, are you, you know, deficient in certain nutrients? I think that would be the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two, I think, main things yeah. that I would talk about. And I think that first one is so important. Yeah. You know, I, I see a lot of young kids and of course the number one thing I treat kids for is anxiety mm-hmm. and they come in and they, they don't know this isn't who they are, but they think, oh, this is who I am. I'm going to be like this my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's terrifying for these these young people when they're already dealing with this, like, overwhelming anxiety and they're not even 12 yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's helping them understand. I always say this to the, you know, the kids, even adults, you know, like you said, you aren't this imbalance. No. You know, this isn't you. It's the imbalance. Let's fix that imbalance. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, it's, you know, I like to say to patients, it's um, uh, you're, we're not looking to make you feel like your old self. We want you to feel like your new self, like mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a whole new person. Because you've got to let go of all of that in order to make, you know, space to be that new person, that healthy, balanced person. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I was, uh, you know, in the, our last episode, I was talking to, to Tom about, you know, uh, Wu Wei in Taoism, you know, we need mm-hmm. to create that emptiness and the, to allow some some that, that peace to come and the growth and the healing. Um, you know, especially now with, you know, social media and everything, you're talking about your mind and when you meditate to just be with your thoughts. You know, um, it's so easy to use, you know, media to continually distract us so we don't have to feel and we don't have to think. Mm-hmm. Because we're just constantly having those things running in our heads. Yeah. yeah. And it's just escapism because mm-hmm. we're not dealing with the problem. And I'm not saying you can't do these things. 
because there's times where, you know, that's much better self-medication than alcohol or drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the same, like, the same mental pattern in your head. Like, me being addicted to the gym and using that was no different than me using a drug. Mm-hmm. It was, like, in my brain, it's the same, like, signals that are kind of happening, right? And that's why I talked about going with the fine line of sitting in your emotions, but then also kind of moving forward, not with numbing things, but kind of, yeah, being around friends or positive kind of more positive things, but people think that maybe going to the gym would have been a positive thing, but again, it's like your intention behind it, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. uh, uh, Gabor Mate is a doctor in uh, um, Lower East Side in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So he spent his whole career working with addicts. And through his research and, uh, you know, his books are fantastic, you know, just explaining that he believes, you know, it's like 95 plus percent of all addicts have trauma, like deep trauma. Mm -hmm. And they're using those drugs to hide from those feelings, to bury those feelings, to make them go away. You know, if you've been repeatedly raped or beaten or all these things and those feelings are always there and you don't know how to deal with it, I could see how heroin would be an escape. Yep. Because for a while, you don't have to feel that. You don't have to think about it. It's Mm -hmm. just not there. But, you know, whether you're using any you know, um, anything externally to try to make those feelings go away, whether it's exercise, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, we're all still addicts then. And the difference between, you know, an addict and someone who is, you know, balanced isn't that the trauma's gone. Mm -hmm. It's they recognize the trauma and now they're, they're treating their trauma and they're working with it. Yeah, I just thought of something. I think that when you... Hold that trauma down. You're going to forever be like almost stuck in that state, whether you're numbing it, this and that. And then once you are able to kind of work with that healing side, um, the trauma is just a memory, but you don't, you're not emotionally charged with it. You know, like, um, I think that's the difference, right? You kind of move past and you can now see your trauma in a different light where when you're numbing yourself and in, you haven't really worked through it or healed it, you're stuck and you're still living it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you're pushing it down, but you're like in, you're in that body of that where now I look back and I think of, those times is like a distant memory or a, like a different life or a different person's story. Cause I've, they're true and they're real and I lived it, but that's not my story anymore. Cause I'm moving forward where yeah. if you stay in that numbing, you never move forward in life. You just like, you're like stuck on the same page in a book forever and ever. Like you're yeah. just stuck on repeat, repeat, yeah. repeat, and you never will grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're truly damned because yeah. you're still in that moment. But you're, you don't think you are, but like you actually are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're, you've always got one foot in the trauma. Yep. And one foot in, in the moment, mm-hmm. and you're trying to, you know, live in the moment and do these things, but you can't because you always got that foot in the past and in the trauma, and it's always looming over you and trying to, you know, direct your thoughts and your feelings constantly. So we have to be brave enough and, you know, be willing to forgive and let go that we can take that step out of the past and move into the present again and it's scary it's scary to do those things do you think that you're gonna open up a can of worms and have to go through it again or this and that like you're it's scary and it's not that you're gonna like again not to forgive to like never remember it's just for your own healing and to feel better to let go it's not that it didn't happen and it wasn't horrible and it wasn't real it was real but to move forward to feel good and to have that release like you need to you need to let it go um in that sense of yeah you can remember it and and think about it sometimes, but you're just, you're not, don't have that emotional charge with it. It's just letting go of that emotion that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I've seen 
you know, over the years, you know, there's those patients that they they want to heal, they're ready to heal, they can if help them get that balance, they can let go of the trauma, they can move on. But then I've seen those that they wear their trauma like a badge. Yeah, it's their identity. They've let they've let their trauma become their identity. Yeah. And it is still holding them back. It's still causing a lot of pain. They may be using that experience and memory for good. They may be helping other people. But, you know, some of them, they can't truly heal because they're still, they still want to be in it because it, they've let it become so much of who they are. Yeah. I know a girl who introduces, who yeah, no, she introduced herself. Oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm like, I'm a cancer survivor all the time to everyone she talks to. Yeah. And you look at her and you're like, okay, you had cancer. Yeah. You're also a mom, you're a daughter, you're this and you're that. Like yeah. there's so much more. Like that's just a little stage in your life, yeah. right? You'd be like, oh, I'm Mackenzie. I'm a, I don't know. I don't even know where to go. Like I'm, I'm a celiac. Like yeah. no one cares. Like yeah. it's, no one cares what I went through, right? It's how I am and how I show up today that matters. Yeah. And it's not to belittle no. getting over cancer, but, you know, if you can sit down and think about that, you know, you're not that disease. No. You're not who overcame that disease. You are who's here now. Mm-hmm. And that's when we find that real peace and the real power is when we're in the moment and can really, you know, put our mind, our thoughts, and our efforts into that moment. If you're still holding on to that badge of honor and, you know, I'm this, you're not fully in the moment, unfortunately. And it will hold back healing. Like I remember I had a patient, same thing, you know, cancer survivor, cancer survivor. Well, she's been a cancer survivor three times now. And I'm like, she's like, I know I can beat it again. But I'm like, like I, I, and again, I'm not saying I know what's going on or what it is, but yeah. to constantly put your mind in there, you know, you can only think in some way that's going to affect your healing and put you in a position to get back what your, where your mind is always at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just hope those, they can let go and just move on, enjoy the moment, you know, yeah. don't let that define you anymore, mm-hmm. you know. Because that's not who you, you, you're not those things. We're not, you know, I'm not my job. I'm not, you know, the things I've overcome. I'm me in this moment. And, you know, and and again, I don't want anyone to feel ashamed of that or that it's it's this terrible thing. But there is a concern that, you know, that speak and that thinking can hold you back. Yeah. And it's part of your journey. You know, it's, it's made you into this person you have. You've had to go over these things and learn these different qualities. But those things aren't you right it's not on your name tag like that's you on your name tag um these things have just shaped you and you have now cool stories and you've like you know have different thought patterns it's created you to be this person but Mm -hmm. just kind of etching you along it's not what you are yeah super cool um oh i've kept you quite long already uh anything you know that again you know we've talked about you know the, the the two things that you say i would say to someone in that position what daily habits, what the things that, uh, you know, you love and that you think more people should be doing to find uh, a balance in their mental health? Mm, one thing is just even paying attention to how you feel around certain people. Um, for me, one thing I do every day would be I almost like filter out people that I surround myself with. If they don't, if I don't feel good about myself or just feel good in general around them. I don't have to explain to you why I don't feel good around you, but I just don't want you in my life anymore. Mm. Having that negative kind of energy keeping you down holds you back from progressing. Um, 
So it's just this is as simple as, you know, meeting someone and like, okay, do I feel uplifted or do I feel a bit down? Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel down. Okay, I don't really want them anymore. Yeah. Nothing wrong with them. Don't have to explain why. It's just choosing to be around people that keep me in that uplifted state. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to, I talk to patients about this quite a bit in that, you know, if, you know, someone in your life that's doing that, mm-hmm. that is dragging you down, even if they're family. Oh, yeah. You don't owe it to anyone that you have to be around them and spend time with them when that's how they make you feel. It's, there's not, you know, there's this weird rule that everyone thinks, well, they're family, so you have to. I'm like, no, you don't. You're not meant Just to Just like some crap. biological thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can choose your family, and mm-hmm. if they're willing to treat you with respect and be kind, then, and you enjoy spending time with them, then great. Yeah. But if they're drawing, you know, dragging you down and, you know, like, and again, this can happen a lot with family or spouses where you're trying to grow, you're trying to change, you're trying to let go and improve. And they see that as a threat mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, more balanced and heal and all this. Mm-hmm. And they'll try to pull you back to where they are so they aren't alone. And then they don't have to put the effort and the work in to heal and change. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so my things I do every day would be that, kind of filtering in how I feel regarding people, just kind of paying attention, being aware of how I feel around that person. So that's one. Two is bone broth. I drink bone broth every morning for my gut. Um, The third thing would be a release. You know, sometimes it is going to the gym. Other times it's like cleaning and dancing to crazy music and having that like physical kind of shaking off. The next time it's sometimes I scream. Um, maybe I go to acupuncture, like every day I have some sort of release, whether it be laughing with friends or, um, crying, like just some sort of release at the end of the day, I've had to have something to kind of flush out what I was going through. Also, I just hold on to it, mm-hmm. especially after work, you know, after work and taking on people's energies or kind of feeling their things, I have to have some kind of, um, like release or kind of purge all of mm-hmm. that out. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, that's going to be different for everyone. And it's different every day for me. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So finding those tools and, and I think too, like um, in our last uh, episode, Tom talked a lot about journaling yeah. and how it made a huge difference in his life. You know, so when you have a day where w- a certain release works for you, make a note. And it's not going to be every day. You yeah. don't have, like for journaling. I journal sometimes too. Yeah. Sometimes they're like the full moon or this and that. Like, but I don't journal every day or it becomes no. a chore and then it's not that release. Yeah. You know, and yeah, like maybe I will scream that night, right? Maybe mm-hmm. I will cry that night. Maybe yeah. I'll write. Like it just is yeah. very different every day. Yeah. And I don't know why. I just have to be. Yeah. It's a different and, thing. And I think too, it comes from you recognizing mm-hmm. you can feel that, you know, ooh, I feel heavy. I feel busy. I feel there's, there's a sensation going on in my body and I want that out. Yeah. And it's becoming aware enough that you recognize that every day. I think, unfortunately, some people, they've been traumatized so much their whole life that they're always in that state and they don't know the difference. People don't know how good you're meant to feel. Even with, like, your diet, like, people don't know how good, like, your guts are supposed to feel. You're not supposed to be gassing and bloaty and all the time. Like, that's not normal. Like, even with, like, these feelings, like, you're meant to feel calm and to feel still. And people don't understand that. Humans are meant to feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, I find that, and I'm sure you've experienced this many times now, when, you know, you get that patient that's revving really high, and you get them in the treatment room, and, you know, the needles, the treatment's done, and they they come out, and their countenance has changed so much, they're like a different person. Yeah, but they've had that and, release, right? Yeah, and they're yeah. just like, wow, is this how I'm supposed to feel? You know? And then 
you know, you don't see them for a while. And then now, though, they know what it feels like to be light and balanced. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I could really feel a change. I need to get in here. And then they get the treatment and they come out again and they're like, holy shit, this is how I'm supposed to feel. You know, and then that's where you get those patients that come in quite regularly because they that's their release that still works yeah. for them yeah and it's not us we're not doing anything to their bodies your body is so smart and wonderful that we just give a little signals and then your body does it itself yeah right yeah we said we're reminding it what yeah. to do it's a little stuck it needs some encouragement yeah. and a reminder of yeah. what its role is it balances itself out and all of a sudden <sighs> mm-hmm. that's where i'm supposed to be yeah feels so good yeah. yeah i'm always amazed too kids are usually better at this like you know i treat a lot of kids and the kids will be mom I need to get into acupuncture. I'm feeling off. Mm-hmm. And the parents are always like, wow, how do they recognize that? Well, kids are usually a little bit better listening <laughs> to, them, <laughs> to themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not to their parents. No. But, but uh, adults are terrible at listening to themselves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is they're so overwhelmed with so many other things that they don't pay attention to the, f- the core yeah. of what is going to give them that strength and balance to deal with everything. Oh, that's super cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. For taking this time. You know, you have, uh, for being so young, you've gone through so much already. And I hope, you know, our patients understand that and people understand that, that, you know, the wisdom and experience of what you've gone through uh, is, you know, an amazing tool to support and and benefit others. And so if you're just looking for like a daily little, you know, uh, boost and, and help, then follow Mackenzie on Instagram because there's always cool stuff every day. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, or come and see her in the clinic, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'd like to point out that because I'm a recovering perfectionist, I didn't have to prepare for this. Where yeah. before I would be like, give me all the questions you have to answer yeah. and this, this yeah. and prepare for all of it. Uh-huh. But now that I am in more of a more balanced state, mm-hmm. those anxieties or those kind of imbalances don't, I yeah. don't feel those things. I was really proud of you. You're like, oh, should I prepare for this? What you? And I'm like, this is kind of what we're going to do, but you got this. And you're like, okay, yeah, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas before, that would have been really hard for you. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're all continually growing and adapting and, and you know, yeah. learning more about ourselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, two things I always want people to understand. One, that, you know, you still don't know who you are because <laughs> you're always changing. Yep. And because we're always changing, that means that we can change. We can be someone else. We can let go. Yeah. It will eventually happen. We just have to embrace it. We have to make that space yeah. for us to change and become yeah. that person. That and it's fun. Peace. You know, like being a perfectionist got me to where I am. I did a lot of good things. But now I'm like, oh, look how fun it is just to hang out by the river and to feel these other feelings of being calm and like to not have a day planner. And it's just like exploring these things and having yeah. fun. Like it's exciting. <laughs> like I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you finish school that just there's this like shift yeah like, like overnight yeah. you know once you graduate you're just like oh yeah <laughs> you know, like, but how do i how do i relive like what do you do right yeah yeah and now it's just you know it's taking advantage of that that, that time and that balance of like hey how do i want my life to look yeah and you know making steps and the decisions to keep that peace mm-hmm. and balance there yeah cool well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and effort. We're so grateful to have you here in the clinic. Um, I just wanted to share this experience with as many as we can. 
And uh, again, it's at Kenzie Fitness on Instagram. And, uh, you know, you also do um, Skype, uh, uh, you know, th- things online with patients yeah, too. Absolutely, yeah. So through our, uh, through our Jane app, patients can sit down and they can uh, meet with you on video conference yeah. and you do uh, consultations for uh, diet and fitness yeah. and, and all that stuff too. Yeah. So if anyone's out there, you know, you're the professional there. I'm not. Mine is more in, you know, mental health and pain. Yeah. But as far as, uh, like, you know, you know so much more about, you know, the science aspect and the hormones and the mm-hmm. um, gut and all that stuff. That That's uh, where you're really going to benefit people. That's why we're good at the sure. clinic because we do, like, the whole thing, but we mm-hmm. just both have different strengths. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and, again, another thing I always really believe in is it's, you know, the patient needs to find the healer that fits them. And you can't be the healer for everyone um, because you're just either you're not the right personality or you don't have the right tools or whatever. Or if I'm in a different stage in my life, right, maybe like in a few years from now, like I'll be changing and growing into different areas, right? Exactly. Exactly. And those those people that need you at that time will find you. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. All right. Thanks, everyone, for spending this hour with us. How long was Tom's? Uh, Tom's is about an hour and 15 minutes. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we could have gone forever with Tom. I know. Tom loves to talk. Uh, all right. So thank you. We're excited to continue this and um, uh, share this with everyone. So if you feel any of these concepts or ideas uh, benefit of you, please uh, rate and review the podcast or uh, make a comment on the video and share with those that could benefit from this stuff because – we're really working hard and getting some great people in here. We're trying to do something a little bit different with this podcast and that I find um, the uh, the comment, like the interview podcast currently is all about who's the next famous person we can get on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And there will be some people in there eventually, you know, and people that I know that will invite on the podcast. But I want to hear from real people. Mm-hmm. And like you shared with us today, you know, the – there was real experiences and real techniques because yeah. someone is going to listen to this and they're going to see themselves in you mm-hmm. and it's going to change their life. Well, it's not my professional view on mental health. It's my personal review yeah. on mental health, which yeah. are very different. Exactly. And that's what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye. See you later. It was so great to speak with Mackenzie. Um, she is a lot of fun and an amazing person. I am still amazed at how much she has overcome and gone through in such a short life and how strong it's made her and uh, the resilience that she continues to show every day to overcome. And it's just made her a better practitioner and a better person overall. I'm very grateful that I got to, you know, one, have her in my life and to meet her but that she'll continue to be in my life and working as my associate here in the clinic. She brings so much to our clinic and so much to our community, and I'm really grateful that she's there to do that for us. And it's interesting, you know, as I review these podcasts after I listen to them after recording and to see those, uh, to better understand that person and to fit them within the five elements. Now, Mackenzie is very metal within the five elements. Again, someone that likes structure, that likes rules with her OCD and her, you know, drive for perfection. You know, she fits into a bit of um, the earth and metal. Because, again, earth people are so much about 
control and perfection. But hers comes more from her OCD. And, you know, she's always searching for more knowledge and truth. And, again, it's very interesting, too, within the five elements and within that uh, uh, personality of the metal element, there's huge issues over abandonment. And, you know, with her father leaving her at a young age and then having all the symptoms related to the metal element with the large intestine, with her skin, with... Uh, immunity, all of these things fit in within the five elements. And as she continues to address not only the physical aspects, but the emotional aspects of it, her, she gets greater control over her symptoms and her wellness. Now, it is a constant battle for her um, as, you know, she, again, we talked about in the podcast, she can't even have gluten touch her. And I've seen the boils. It's crazy to continually live in a world where that is so abundant and you have to continually protect yourself from it. I'm sure there is many people listening to this podcast right now that have similar conditions where they're constantly on guard. Um, and that's the same for anxiety and depression. You know, we're constantly on guard and how our emotions are going to manipulate us and how others will manipulate our emotions and affect our anxiety and depression. Within the course, the five elements letting go, we give you an opportunity to understand better yourself, your personality, how the emotions affect you and their purpose. You know, again, I continually remind people that emotions are signals of perceived imbalance. They are not us. They are a trigger and a signal of how we're interpreting our current situation. Once we understand that they're a signal and that they're not these things that externally control us or something that will make us respond and react in a certain way, that they are simply signals that we have internally created by our interpretation understanding of our environment. And if we have a belief system or experiences that lets us know, oh, when that happens, I feel abandoned. Or when this happens, I feel that things are unjust and unfair. It triggers those emotions, and then we are sent that emotion, whether it's sadness and loss, or whether it's anger, to teach us and show us that's how we're interpreting the situation. It is our choice then to either repress that emotion or express it, neither help us, neither solve the problem, they just cause further issues. And the key to the five elements letting go is the synergistic expressions, understanding that you can transform that energy created from that emotion and turn it into action to make change in your life and to let go of that emotion so it doesn't control you, it doesn't overcome you, it doesn't make you stuck. And I'm sure everyone listening to this can remember one point or another where they were stuck in an emotion and it basically infected their whole life and experiences because they couldn't let go of that emotion. This is the freedom that I have found within the five elements. For myself, um, you know, it was anger. Anger as a kid, I saw injustice everywhere. And a lot of it was just being, you know, horseshoed into a life that didn't fit me. And once I, you know, had, was brave enough and strong enough to pull myself out of that, that's when I found peace in my life. And the same is for everyone. If you want to learn more about your emotions, their purpose, more about your personality type and the five elements, then the five elements letting go is for you. 
You can find out more in the notes below. There is a, you can uh, find more about the course at jaredmccollum.thinkific.com or you can go straight to my website at jaredmccollum.com where you can learn more about me and the services I offer, but also learn more about the course. And that is my invitation. That is my purpose and goal pretty much in life at this time is to help people understand themselves, to find peace and to, you know, live in the moment and let go of the power that emotions have over us. You have control. You just have to, you know, flip it on, in your mind on what those emotions are for. It gives you great power once you understand that they're just signals and that you don't have to be beholden to your emotions any longer. Thank you again for listening. I really enjoy this, and um, it's something that we will continue. Uh, you know, this is our second podcast. Next up is uh, Tim Cortheist, or Cortice. I'm really working on it. Uh, you'll listen in the next podcast with him that I screwed up right away, but we, we figured it out together. <laughs> He's a great guy. So you'll really enjoy that one. And we have about six other guests lined up. And it's not going to stop. Once we release these first few, um, we will be doing podcasts weekly. And um, you'll get to know some really amazing people. And, you know, the more we talk about mental health, the more at peace we feel about it. And, of course, the more tools you're going to learn as you listen to these other people. So please subscribe. Uh, take the time to rate the podcast on Apple uh, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, please share your opinions. Let us know how we can make the podcast better. And if you have any questions, um, send us a message um, on my website or um, on our uh, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. You can get a hold of us. Take care of yourself. Don't beat yourself up. You got this. You are loved. Have a great day.